And we are back. Um, Zaino, uh, Terence, hello guys, and Rocky. Hi guys. Uh, anything happened to you lately? Um, yeah, I got married, but <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you guys don't believe me. But <laughs> don't yeah. believe you. We were there. We were there. <laughs> yeah, we were there. Yeah. Life so starts at 60, bro. Uh, <laughs> well <laughs> done. Congratulations. And that's so a long way to go, huh? Uh, Is that, uh, YB. Yeah, so I need so I'm only 30, so times two. Yeah, oh my it's God. not far at all. <laughs> If you hear, it's our guest for today. Is the man of the hour. He's the in the political scene. Mm. Uh, YB Syed Sadiq, Syed Abdul Rahman, MP for Moa. He was in the news recently, and uh, when he decided to switch alliance from the government and then switch to the other side of the aisles in parliament and supporting. No, you're not supporting PN, right? Are you? No, you're third just block. opposition. Just He opposition. Should be the third force. Third yeah. force. Yes. Okay. So, uh, okay. Why? I mean, it's well documented about why you decided to switch. But yeah. perhaps you can explain to us why. Why are you angry, I mean, why, is, why, is uh, so angry? why are you so angry? I'll share a more... Uh, <laughs> angry young man. Trust me, it's a very measured and composed decision. It's not driven by emotions. I'll share something more personal. I think it's well documented that the final red line is the dropping of the 47 criminal charges. But something more personal roots back to 2020. Then I was a minister, youth chief, co-founder of Bersatu. When Sheraton happened, my red line then, I thought, was when the president of my party, Tan Sri Muhyiddin Yassin, uh, who worked with a few others, to put behind the people's mandate by working with AMNO, but not just AMNO, then seen to be the kleptocratic AMNO. Mm. Because I believe that would be the beginning of the dropping of charges and the normalization of corruption in Malaysia. Mm. And at that point in time, I fought and I fought hard, despite the fact that, remember, Tan Sri Muhyiddin Yassin gave me many assurances that no criminal charges will be dropped. But I still fought to the point that when I was offered to become a minister once again, I rejected. Chairman of GLCs, I rejected. And then came the threats against me and my family. I fought on because it is a matter of conscience for me. And I got kicked out from the party which I co-founded after. Now, we bring it forward to what happened last week. I'm confronted with the same moral dilemma. If then, the Syed Sadiq in 2020 decided to fight on, knowing that I do not want to normalize corruption, that I knew that this would be the beginning of the dropping of charges, and I fought on. And the stakes then were much higher. Mind you, it was a minister's post, GLC, and threats mm. against me and my family. Mm. Today, if I suddenly took a different stance just because there's a different prime minister, just because of political convenience or the survivability of Sadiq in Moa or Muda in Malaysia, forget about talking about others being hypocrites. I'll be the biggest hypocrite. So I think on a very personal note, I think it's not about political convenience, but it's about being consistent and principled, knowing that it will be tough and the road ahead will be long and lonely. But I think I'm only 30 years old and many leaders in Muda are young. It's better that we take this stance now and learn the ropes of politics, knowing how tough it may get then at a very, very young age already, you know, compromising too early, what more, on a major, major red line. YB, how do you, how do you respond to people's views that this, there's something personal here between you and Zahid? Ah, okay. To be honest, it's nothing personal. That's why I always try to distance the issue from Datuk Sri Zahid from the institution. Let me answer one of the strongest critics people point out is that I'm selective because... Datuk Sri Zahid also got, what, 10, 20, 30 criminal charges uh, acquitted uh, last year under PN's government. So why under PN's government was it okay and today is different? I remember then when um, 
Datu Sri Zaid got acquitted last year for the visa scandal. Very different. When the media asked me what's my view, I said I respect the decision of the court. Why is it different today? Because I respect the institution. Then, when Datu Sri Zaid got acquitted by the court, by the judge, that's something which I, as a law-abiding citizen, must respect because that's an institution in which I need to respect. I said if there are any wrongdoings, the government can appeal and the prosecutor can appeal. Today's case is very different. Today's case, the judge did not make the decision. It was the newly appointed DPP because the former prosecutor was suddenly, at the last minute, went into early retirement, new person came in, dropped the 47 criminal charges at a time in which it was a lacuna, right? Because the previous AG went on break, new AG has not been sworn in, mm. and that happened. So again, it's not about Datuk Sri Zahid as a person. My biggest worry is that this will be the beginning of the normalization of corruption because if no one speaks up, we are effectively sending a signal, hey, if this can happen, anyone in the future... Right? I mean, I can steal to the tunes of the hundreds of millions. I'll just have to have political leverage in my hands and I will negotiate with the Prime Minister to ensure that I'll get scot-free. Worse, what message are we sending to young politicians out there, to the younger generation out there? So I think there must be a principled line drawn. Even if in the future it's not Datuk Sri Zahid, it may be a politician who I adore. Same line must be taken. Uh, because in the end, it is about the institution, not the leader. Are you, uh, presumably, this, you are suggesting that the AG Chambers is compromised? I believe on this matter, until and unless we separate the role of the AG and the prosecutor, mm -hmm. it is compromised, or even if it is not compromised, it will forever be seen to be compromised. Why? Because in Malaysia, the AG reports directly to the Prime Minister and it's placed under the Prime Minister's office. Not just that. What gives even more speculation and credence was a statement by the Prime Minister after being queried by the media. The Prime Minister himself said that the AG met up with him many times to discuss about this case. The AG proposed this date or that date for the charges to be dropped and the Prime Minister responded in this and that way. I mean, that clearly shows there is no separation. These are not my words. This is the words of the Prime Minister himself. If that had happened in another country, that would immediately lead to either an impeachment or a proper investigation whether there was political interference or not. But in Malaysia, it's normalised. Because again, in Malaysia, I mean, there are many things you are normalised. In the UK, if you lie in parliament, you are out. In Malaysia, if that happens, every day people will be kicked out of parliament because yeah. lying is now normalised as well. Yeah. So let's get the... Um, let, let's just be clear here. Zahid has not been acquitted. Yep. Mm. It's a discharge, not a mounting acquittal. Yeah. It's a sort of domiciles over his head. He can still be brought back to haul back to court mm. where if the DPP finds new new evidence mm. okay I mean yep. just, just to get that out of the way so it's not an acquittal but I have to answer this as well to make sure. it very clear once there is prima facie and I know because I went through it mm. once there is prima facie that means there is enough evidence to convict mm. unless there is a defence so that means the previous DPP did a great job already so the point in which you mentioned there needs to be new evidence, that's again under the speculation that you need new evidence to convict. No, there's already enough to convict, but now he needs to file his defence to quash that initial perception of conviction. So the question which many people are asking, at the end of the trial, very close to the decision, now already more than a hundred uh, witnesses have been called, thousands of documents and pages of documents standard, why only at the end? What more? When the Prime Minister himself, when he was leader of opposition, that's why I said, I know people say, what about this case and that case? Shaidan Kasim, what about, there will be so many different cases people bring up. That's why you need to look at the scheme of things. Even before last election, then the leader of opposition said that he could have become Prime Minister by the collection of SDs, but the demand placed on him was for him to drop charges against Zahid and others, and he did not want to. But today, when he's Prime Minister, with the support of Zahid, made him Deputy Prime Minister and charges were dropped. Again, that leads to speculation. People ask, are you doing what you said you wouldn't do a few months ago before election, but now you're just doing it today? 
I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one asking this question because, again, when you look at the whole scheme of things from the beginning to the end, I think clearly there are errors and problems. And if we do nothing about it, we don't dare to speak up about it. My fear is this sends a horrible precedent for future politicians like myself and younger generations who aspire to join politics. That in the end, we can steal as much as we want, forget the country. It's all about political leverage and power. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you are surprised. Oh, I, I, to be honest, <laughs> let, 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 me, let, me, let me be very honest about this, right? I mean, people think why I'm surprised. I mean... Because I was surprised. Then remember I told you in 2020, right? I mean, entrepreneurs say it will not drop. Uh, confirm drop. When Dato Sri Ismail Sabri said, confirm, I said, it will be dropped. President of AMNO. To their credit, they didn't drop. I mean, Dato Sri Ismail Sabri is the vice president of AMNO, a party man, did not drop. Did not drop. I mean, so I thought clearly a reform prime minister would not do it. I mean, Dato Sri Ismail Sabri never claimed that he's a reformist, by the way. <laughs> But he didn't drop it. So the reason why I'm surprised because I thought in the end, you know, people say that the perjanjian, you know, they'll, they'll promise yeah. by the end, they will not do it. But I think, uh, Terence, you're, I'm surprised that you're surprised is a play of what Tun Mahathir said yeah. <laughs> when yeah. they dropped, the AG dropped the charges against Lim Guan Ng in yeah. 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Uh, My question is, where were you, Said Sadiq, sure. when that happened? You can look it up. Even while I was in cabinet, I actually came out with a public statement. I think it's still on Twitter. Um, that's one. Above and beyond that, again, I know because people will say, what about Guaning? What about Shaidan Kasim? What about Bong Mota? What about there'll be many, many others uh, which took place? So, I mean, allow me to differentiate big ones now which, which exist. For example, for Bong Mota, recently acquitted. But you say, why didn't you bring up about Bong Mota? Why are you personalizing only to Zahid? Again, very big difference. Bong Mota was acquitted by the judge in court, right? So, it's not for me to judge. Similarly, Datuk Sri Zahid last year was acquitted in court. So, again, at that point, I defended. <laughs> Him being quitted and in court. Similarly, in this context as well, for example, the DNAA, Shahidan Kasir, a few others, uh, LTTE case and many others. Look at the sequence of events, right? The point in which you supersede prima facie, that means there is already evidence for a conviction unless you file defence. That means you don't need additional evidence. Mm. There's a mark of, of a difference. Datuk Sri Shahidan Kasim's case. The main witness who lodged the report, pulled out. I mean, I don't know how you're going to bring a case when the main person who lodged the report pulled out uh, unless the prosecutor can convince the person to testify again. So again, if you go case by case, it will be a very long explanation. But the final part is this. As I shared, this one is very unique. Before elections, there were already direct claims where the leader of opposition said that he is put under pressure to drop the cases in order to get the SD. He said it. And then after he formed government, he made Datuk Sri Zaid the deputy prime minister, Immediately, cases were postponed time after time again under defence that he is the Deputy Prime Minister and has to attend cabinet meetings. And then last minute, the DPP was changed despite this was the brilliant DPP who secured the Prima Fessi. And then in that unique time where the former AG is going to retirement and before the new AG comes in, 47 corruption changes are dropped. I mean, I think that spells a lot of things out. So moving forward, what is the solution? I don't want to keep on talking about problems. Yeah, but what you're suggesting is conspiracy, yeah? I wouldn't say it's a conspiracy. I, mean, I think you, it you is. were saying that there's a convenience time when there was no AG, there's a lacuna here, mm. there's nobody in charge, and oh, suddenly yeah. the change. A deliberate attempt to mess up the case. Ah, yes. I See. mean, if you look at today, mm. Arul Kanda and mm. Najib's case, the prosecution they didn't appeal. They didn't, didn't appeal. They missed yeah. the deadline. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, are we implying that there are deliberate attempts to just screw up cases? Maybe they just they didn't, they got so the calendar can, can be let off. The calendar got mixed. <laughs> I asked yeah, about Guan Ying also because yeah. that case angered me as well because yeah. it mm. was so clear he was... In the middle of trial, yeah, the AG came trial in and said... And mm. after that, 
he was made finance, finance minister. minister. Yeah. That was mm. to pave way for a political. Uh, Correct. I mean, I'm I'm glad you are spoken up mm. now. You know, you spoken up before, but this issue is not to me. It's not exclusive to what's happening now. Mm. It has happened before. You know, it has, as far as I remember, it has happened way back in the last century. Yeah, we have a system that about that. And and that's why the way forward. I mean, I've already mentioned about the problems. The mm. way forward is to quickly decentralize power from the hands of the prime minister's office. Put the AG and agency under AGC and the parliament. So it no longer reports directly to the prime minister. The MACC must be placed under parliament as well, not under the prime minister's office, and separate the role of the AG and prosecutor. I know people say, but mm-hmm. Sadiq, now you pull support, government doesn't have two thirds. If it is stable, I give you my commitment, I'll support it, even if it is proposed today in parliament. Mm. Yeah. Do you remember back, way back in 2018, Tun Mahathir's uh, administration, uh, with you in it, launched Integrity yeah, Blueprint? I remember. Mm. I remember and that the blueprint. first person to receive that book was Arun Ibrahim as opposition mm. leader. Mm. I remember. So, how much of what's ha- in that book, you know, five years on, you know, has been, will be uh, implemented or, you know? This, this is where I get very, very, very frustrated, right? Um, I remember then we already started the culture of open tender. Uh, two is, uh, I remember all ministers were forced to declare their assets and we did very quickly less than six months no less than three months into the administration and if we were to lie we could be hauled uh, hold to court for it few forensic audit and many others okay but one of the most important components of it was the political funding act and I remember after I secured Undi 18 with the support of uh, bipartisanship then I proposed in cabinet I said we need to secure the political funding act quickly uh, because at that time I was, I'll be very honest I was quite selfish I said Basatu was about to go through his first party elections I said I do not know how to fundraise I mean, and now people already, my opponents already talking about fundraising and all this. I don't know, what's the legal way? People know for GE. But has anyone talked about how to fundraise for party elections? In the US, Bernie Sanders can mm. raise a quarter of a billion, just mm. become the Democratic nominee, not even the presidential nominee for the Democratic, but just party elections. And I said, we need to have it. I pushed for it. I remember the Prime Minister said, okay, present it in Majlis President Pakatan Harapan after speaking to then Tan Shri Bukasim and Latifa Koya, former uh, MACC, MACC chief and current MACC chief. So we finally come up with something very light, decent, presented it, and then finally got a little bit of an approval. The plan was to table it in March. Sheraton happened, shelved. So when I was in opposition, I went to see, I mean, Datuk Sri Ismail Sabri. Then even when I was in opposition under Tan Sri Muhyiddin Yassin, I went to see, I said, do the CSA. I didn't talk about MOU, I said CSA. Get a package of reforms. At least we get institutions improved. So for future prime ministers, no matter who it is, Malaysia gets better. Today, please tell me where are these things? We are about to enter one year. I mean, okay, forget talking about new things at like Political Funding Act. Basic things. What about asset declarations? What about asset declarations? The reason why I'm very sceptical whenever there are new announcements, oh, cabinet agreed to this. Cab- Sir, look back. In January, the Prime Minister said that asset declarations be made compulsory. Where is it now? And then during state elections, I pushed. I said, where is it? And they said, oh, special anti-corruption cabinet committee already agreed. Asset declaration will be done. Now it's already two, three months after. Now it's already, what, nine months in to the government. This is very, very basic. So, I mean, it's, not, it's also done by previous administration. So I know some people say, why are you pushing? I mean, because this, this is things which have been done before. And again, obviously you place higher burden on a reformist prime minister. And this, again, it's not about Datuk Sri Anwar. It's about the institution. Because institutions outlast political personalities. But perhaps, uh, I'm just saying that it's, there's, of course there's support for this in general, uh, what you're trying to pursue. But I think maybe people see it from, people are very sceptical because coming from politicians. Because, uh, you know, there is this mood now where people are not so, people are quite cynical about political so there's a, so and it's getting worse and worse. So because, for example, uh, there's always something that I always repeat. Uh, mm. uh, 
We had five prime ministers in five years. Mm. So it was terrible. And people are sick of it. And yet, at the same time, you have politicians who are trying to undermine governments. Mm. So my question to you is, sensing the sentiment, would you support any attempt to destabilize this government? Or would you say, okay, let the Anwar Ibrahim government go on its full term and so that lend to stability? This is what people yeah. want. I'm all for stability and I'm all for reforms. I think we can secure both together. I'll be consistent. Even when I opposed Sheraton and I was out of government, even while being threatened, I said, let's push for the CSA. I remember then when I pushed for the CSA, Muda then, even though we were not registered, we ran the post campaign. My God, I was attacked left, right and centre. They said, if I want to legitimise the government there. No, I said, I wanted to extract reforms. Fast forward one year after, when the MOU was signed, oh, it's okay. Even though I wanted to sign, I was obviously cuffed out. I was the only MP in parliament then who did not get allocations until the final three months. Mm. Other MPs in opposition have gotten it. I want to be consistent today as well. I'm proposing get the CSA in. Back then, it's about anti-hopping bill, two-term limits, etc. Today, mm. we should have a lot more ambitious reforms because this government is seen to be a reform-based government. Separation of uh, AG and prosecution, two-term limits, political funding act, you know, uh, reforms on citizenship laws, many others. I have my own wish list as well, right? Which I think, to be honest, uh, some in government already share the same belief. But unless there is a political push, my only fear they'll just drag it out as long as they want. Mm, but again, what I asked you just now, that people see it differently from politicians. Mm. You know, I think that's what uh, people see. You blame about the economy, blame mm. about investors not coming in, blame about the ring. I, I guess the question yeah. would be, is there a higher expectation on Anwar Ibrahim because he has always branded himself as the reformist leader? I mean, I wouldn't say high expectation. I just think that people will hold you to your words. I mean, and, and it's as basic. It's not about, you know, hugger minyak and all this kind of thing. You said before elections that you will not drop charges, you will fight on an anti-corruption platform and immediately after election, you do all of this. I mean... Correct. So now, he has, this is the card he has been dealt with. Correct. Now, he has to actually work with the Hoya Hoi cluster. <laughs> okay? What? what? So... The Sakao cluster. Now he has to we have to work with them. Mm. So which means he has to scale back on okay. on, on his plans. Yeah. Okay. So should that's a fair point. Yeah, I mean, it's a compromise. Yeah. Politics is so a compromise, compromise. Right? should yeah. you know should 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 his critics be more understanding mm. maybe that you know he needs maybe he needs more time yeah. or yeah. he needs to navigate it differently yeah. now? Yeah. So this is where we have to be and I'm being very fair to Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim. See, there's a big difference about being blindly idealistic by saying, just reject AMNO in totality. Be in opposition. That's blindly idealistic. You cannot form government and therefore you can't pursue the changes which you want. But you have formed government. You have rewarded Datuk Sri Zahid with the deputy prime minister's post. Why must you compromise further by dropping charges? I mean, to me, there's no need for that. Mind you, both former prime ministers, Datuk Sri Ismail Sabri and Tan Sri had so much less support than three, four MPs could cause the collapse of the government. This government have a surplus, what, 40 plus MPs, right, about that? I mean, let's say suddenly they want to threaten the government when they leave. Back then, three, five MPs can cause the collapse. Now you can't. You really think that just because those who are corrupt threaten to leave, everyone in AMNO will leave, everyone in GPS, no, they won't, right? Back then, you can afford to threaten because the, the, slim, uh, the, the, the margin the is so slim. slim. Today is huge. So that's the part which I don't understand. Are you willing to compromise everything to stay in power? I'm not. This is a part of Boom Podcast. Okay, we are back uh, with uh, YB Said Sadiq. He left, he moved his support the to the block. Uh, grammar mm. block. Okay. Mm. So it's interesting, you know, because he's the one that keeps them on two-thirds. Now he is like, he can move around and <laughs> throw his influence, you know, for, for, That's right. for better or for worse. That's right, you're the little train that could. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So the one of the things you were mm. saying just now that you would support the government for mm. any uh, if they were consistent with, with correct some with values, values and, and, uh, value. and and Terence you were saying about the re- well one thing th- the first striking thing is that once you lose your two thirds you can't basically <laughs> <laughs> you know, redraw the yeah. uh, no gerrymandering <laughs> no gerrymandering you you can't redraw the the border yeah, uh. yeah. I, I mean so I want to be very clear on this I'm not here to hold government to hostage mm. if they are good bills reform bills which require two-thirds majority, rest assured you have my support. I've shared a few examples, whether it's about access to citizenship, which involves women who got who gets married to a foreigner, but the child is born abroad, and many others, all the reform bills. On gerrymandering and the redrawing, um, that actually only requires a simple majority. Datuk Sri Najib did that in early 2018. But what requires a two-thirds majority is the adding of seats. Mm. Again, that's a very sensitive issue. It's very hard for me to comment until I see the plan, right? Because the last thing which you want, for an example, is to make it even worse, <laughs> malapportionment worse. Because remember, there are a lot of competing claims. Mm. There are competing claims that Pantai uh, Timo, previously because they've been very past centered, have been underrepresented. Mm. There are claims that Sabah Sarawak are being underrepresented, and other sites in are being yeah, overrepresented. Overrepresented, yeah. So it's very hard for me to comment until I see the exact mm. uh, suggestion. But what I can say is the others which are less complicated, very clear. Whether it's on limiting the term of the prime minister to two terms. Citizenship, uh, separating AG from PP and many others caught me in the budget that's uh, coming soon. Yeah, budget government doesn't even need my support because mm. it's a simple majority. And the government has way bigger than a simple majority. But I'll also give my commitment. If it is good, I will support. I have no problem supporting. But I will play my role as a vocal opposition. Rest assured, I won't be playing this three R. I'm going to focus on issues on the budget. I want to look at what the plans are to reform our education system. TVET. How will the government deal with JCOM, right? Which previously government said they want to abolish. Now they're giving, pumping in tens of millions of ringgit. These are all things which I'll be looking at. So I want to scrutinize on policies and issues instead of dividing Malaysians on factors of race and religion. So, so today there was a video that got a bit viral about you meeting with the Perikatan National Bloc. Um, <laughs> so how are you managing <laughs> the expectations? So this this is the t- tough part, right? I mean, uh, being part of opposition, obviously I will engage with opposition. Uh, similarly, when I was part of government, I'll have to engage with government MPs. Whenever I see people, why are you meeting up with like uh, opposition? Right? I'm like, I'm in opposition. <laughs> I mean, that is clear. You know, when the video came out, that was in the launch, MPs launch. Right. Hey, everyone is in the MPs launch. Why don't they come out with videos of me talking with government MPs? But again, always show only one side of the story. But one thing which I've been very consistent from the start since 2018, I do like working with everyone via a bipartisan platform on the nation's interest. On Undi 18, what many people didn't know, the reason why it took me one year to convince cabinet, because even cabinet then said, they were not convinced that I could secure two-thirds. And when I met up then with Datuk Sri Zahid, Datuk Sri Najib, Tok Guru Hadi, Shamsuri to convince the leadership of AMNO and PAS, I was lambasted. They said, why are you meeting up with Najib? They described the crowd. I said, he is an MP. He is an MP. He will go through the court process. It's in parliament. I must engage. Datuk Sri, I must engage. Why are you meeting up with the president of AMNO? I mean, then I was lambasted. I will be consistent on that. But rest assured, if they are to play the politics of divisions, I will criticise. I will speak up, right? If they don't speak a lot about policies, I will be the one speaking about policies. So tomorrow uh, will be my stage to speak about RMK. I want to speak about core issues, about education, about food security, about institutional reforms. I don't want to just play the politics of toxicity and division, which in the end does not get Malaysia hit. But however, can I stop engaging with MPs from all sides? I can't. That is my job as an MP. 
to do that. But rest assured, I will not compromise on my principles. Uh, PKR, especially PH, being criticised by some quarters that they didn't do a good job in containing or engaging with Muda and Said Sadiq mm. uh, specifically. Because I, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, that you had applied to join the PH coalition mm. officially. But for reasons best known to them, they had basically thumbed their nose at your... So basically, they are now dealing with their own folly. Lah, mm. You know, so is that also a factor in why you decided to pull your mm. support from the government bloc? To be honest, that was never a factor discussed mm. during the last meeting. The reason why we wanted to be part of PH is so that we have a seat at the decision-making table so that when things like this happen, <laughs> or even before it happens, we can get our views out quite decisively. However, before, when we were part of government, but have absolutely no say in anything, yet we must bear the burden of every single bad decision. I mean, it's like taxation without representation. Um, what more when... Uh, sorry, we couldn't even move the needle forward. And that's a major issue. However, uh, let's say in another world, another reality we are in, and this still happens. Also, I'll still relate internally first. And if nothing budges, I still think the same decision would take place. Why mm. be? Other... Selalu ada orang kata, apa Tun Mahathir cakap, YB Sadiq akan ikut. Oh. <laughs> ha, kan? Dia kata macam ada apa puppet on a string lah. Mm. Ha, macam uh, apa boneka. Ha. Mm. Ha, ha. So, apa komen uh, YB? Yeah. Saya ada dengar ni banyak kali. Uh, banyaklah komen diperalatkan, diperkudakan, cucu atuk dan yang lain <laughs> cucu Dan atuk. sejujurnya saya terima kritikan ini dengan hati yang terbuka Cuma saya serahkan lihat saja kepada track record saya Apabila saya dalam kerajaan pun ramai para menteri tahu Sebagai contohnya isu gaji minimum Yang ada tentangan daripada tun Saya bangkitkan berkali-kali Dan di dalam kabinet push nak kena kita dapat penambahan Isu income supplement melalui Malaysia kerja, RM6.5 bilion ringgit peruntukan khas untuk menjana pekerjaan khususnya bagi anak muda. Pada peringkat awal tidak dipersetujui, saya masa itu, Cintong, Tony Puah push really hard akhirnya kita dapat. Dan banyak lagi isu-isu lain. Tetapi salah satu perkara pasal itu, you must sit in his face lah, jangan buat dekat belakang. Memang saya buat perkara tersebut. Selepas kita keluar daripada kerajaan, Tun menggagaskan pejuang. Dia pujuk saya masuk, I told him to his face. Saya tidak bersetuju. Jalan untuk kita menubuhkan lagi satu parti Melayu, masa itu sudah tamat. Yes, dan saya tidak bersetuju dan saya ingat masa itu ramai yang kritik kata saya lupa jasa, tinggalkan tun. Semualah. But we went our separate path. Saya tak tahu macam mana saya boleh dari kuda ni sangat. Tapi lawan tun masa dekat Johor by election. Lawan. So lawan semua pejuang. GE lawan. Masa itu tak ada pun kata-kata cucu atuk ni. Kan? Sebab saya bersama dengan mereka. Oh, saya mereka bukan cucu atuk. Tak bersama. Oh, habis. Lepas election terus. Bila kritik cucu atuk. Apa kena-mengena kes pengguguran 47 kes rasuah dengan tun M? Apa kena mengenai kes LCS dengan Tun M? Eh, saya nak ingatkan, mereka dulu, sebelum pilihan raya, mereka paling lantang bangkit kes ini. Pengguguran kes. Kes LCS. Bukan Tun, mereka dalam PH. Apa saya buat, hanya apa yang mereka lakukan sebelum ini. Hari ini, oh, saya tak ingat pun, mereka cakap jumpa Tun, skim dengan Tun. Eh, Tun tak, sejujurnya, Tan Sri tak tahu. Tun M tak tahu. Ketua Pembangkang, Datuk Sri Hamzah tak tahu. Eh, tim PN ni semua, yang PN, luar PN, PN like, semua tak tahu pun yang muda akan buat. Tindakan ini Sampai diorang terkejut Mungkin orang tengok Kenapa diorang puji saya kat parlimen Sebab saya rasa diorang terkejut Diorang tak sangka Ahli parlimen kerajaan hmm. Sanggup menggadaikan 3.8 juta ringgit Ini belum masuk tawaran-tawaran lain ya, Untuk mengambil keputusan yang berprinsip They may not know that Tapi that's me Saya ingat diorang guna gambar Oh tapi ada kamu berjumpa dengan Tun Di Korea Selatan Masya <laughs> Allah eh, Betul ke? Dekat Korea Selatan tu Jemputan kerajaan 
Korea Selatan dalam forum yang dihadiri oleh Boris Johnson, mantan Perdana Menteri Australia, Israel. Saya bukan seorang. Saya cintong, nicing. Eh, tak ada pun dia kata dua timbalan menteri DAP ni ada dekat sana sekali. I mean, be realistic lah dalam bab ini. Ada bincang pasal PRN. Zero. Tak ada bincang. Politik tak bincang. Ya? Yeah? So, I mean, we have to be realistic on things like this lah. Tapi saya faham orang ni tengok, ni optics, optics, persepsi. Yeah. I can't stop that. But I want to be very clear here. I'm I'm a straight talker. Memang tak adalah all this kind of conspiracy apa. Saya rasa diorang lagi terkejut dengan uh, <laughs> dengan tindakan saya. Because I think even tone, entah syukur tengah. Tadik ni more slightly play safe. Dia kritik-kritik tapi lepas tu dia diamkan diri. Hmm. Well, that's not me. You made more impact in the last few days than you did during the state elections. <laughs> so you want to just comment about, you know, maybe people are questioning the significance of Muda, the effectiveness, the effectiveness of Muda seeing, yeah. looking at how you performed yeah. in the state elections. Yeah. I mean, building the country takes time. What more building a party and winning public support? It's never easy and we never take it lightly. I mean, let's not forget the were parties who are hyper-successful today, but 40, 50 years ago, didn't win a single seat until like two or three electoral cycles and lost all their deposits. For Muda, while we didn't perform splendid in state elections, but we got 3 to 7% in one month of campaigning with almost minimal resources. I mean, back then, I remember there were allegations we were funded by billionaires, but I think once they see <laughs> of our campaign, they realise, wow, actually, these guys really don't have money, lah, right? Uh, and and I think we went public, we raised uh, this specific amount of money, which was so small, I remember there was an AMNO leader who came to me. Our expenditure for 19 seats couldn't even fill up one seat for AMNO. I mean, their typical expenditure. But it's okay, we're new, we'll learn. However, do we only make moves based on political convenience? No. I mean, you invest in the long term. I remember then when we campaigned, we already warned the public and our constituents that if we don't send a wake-up call today, trust me, the government will see your support to them as a blank check to start releasing one by one accused in court. And I remember then when we mentioned this, people said, oh, you have no proof this is going to happen. No, government will never drop charges. One month after, they drop charges. And I think now people start to realise. However, is that enough? It's not enough. I cannot just win support by seeing that the other side is horrible, is corrupt. I need to prove that I have solutions. I'm better. That's why I remember when PN asked. I remember some in PN said, oh, what is it? The Chinese love corruption. Some said that Chinese love corruption. That's why in Pulai, the Chinese still supported PH even though they dropped criminal charges. Well, start learning how to talk about policies. How to draw a clear economic vision. How do you want to reform education? What can you do better? Show a good track record. Or at least promise a better track record for the future. Stop always focusing so much on race and religion to a point that you are boxed into a coalition of race and religion. I mean, in the end, voters are very sophisticated. Right? I cannot just say, oh, because the other side is corrupt, therefore they'll vote for me. No. I mean, in the end, they want to see what we can offer. So, it takes time. I'm young. We have time. Mm. We can afford to yeah, walk the long road. Yeah, that back, back to that. Because MUDA, I mean, the full the full name is Malaysian United Democratic Alliance. Yeah. MUDA, you, by calling yourself MUDA, you're sort of trying to... I know it was convenient last cycle. Mm. You know, only 18 and things like that. Huh? But I think as you go on, I think that... For me personally, the Muda brand suggests that maybe you should have a more generic, all-encompassing mm. name than Muda. Lah, you know? Muda yeah. Mudi pun tak boleh juga. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I interviewed your 60-year-old candidate in uh, Penang. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But, 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 uh, Auntie Uncle Lee. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's still associated, like, have that youthful mm. thing. And then, I mean, memang lah, the country is like 70% under 40 or something like that. No, well, Muda, okay? I'm going to be very blunt. Eh? Please do. 
are you a bunch of yeah, uh, Western educated kids woke. who are totally out, uh, woke, who are totally out of touch with <laughs> the majority of the blear? That, that's mm. a, that's a message. You know, sometimes you, you send seem to by have having more aunties want to pinch your cheeks than you know young people <laughs> who are actually following <laughs> you all the way to the ballot box. Mm. I mean, I mean, as, as as I shared, the road ahead will not be easy. And we knew forming a party when we didn't have the largesse and financial resources and the decades of experience would not be easy. But it takes time. I mean, let's not forget when DAP first formed, it was formed by also young leaders as yeah. early as mid-twenties. It took time for them to build. For Muda, we have time. But to say that we're only a bunch of you know, liberal elites in Bangsa, I think it's very, very wrong. <laughs> I mean, just look at our leader composition. You have people like Shariza De- uh, Denchi, who's a vice president, a well-known agripreneur, in Sabah, Ranau, having his own modern farms, uh, who always talk about policies. Look at Amira Aisha, right? Someone who's from a B40 family in Kampung Melayu, literally in front of her house is a place where people sell drugs before, raised by a single mother, and then joined the education sector, served in education on policies, and only then deciding to join politics. There are many examples like this. These are people who come from middle-class, underprivileged families, and some, yes, who also come from rich families together, symbolizing unity and diversity, for many different backgrounds, but with the heart to serve Malaysia. They are not reliant on political handouts. That's something you're very happy. That's why our cost is very, very low. Because we don't have to pay them to do and to say what they say. Because they're here really to invest in the country's future. Yeah, what well, I was saying, thinking about rebranding Muda to be not yeah. just Muda. Yeah. This is what... <laughs> I mean, uh, to be honest, the, to me, when, when I see Muda, I don't see it as age. Yeah, but it is, people see it that, mm. you know, that, that, okay, you see that as young... Well, I would like to see Muda... And I was just wondering if Muda should not start fighting for the rights and the, uh, the benefits of mm. senior citizens, mm. maybe, you know, because right now we have, we see a lot of aunties, like you said, supporting Muda, yeah. you know. I would like to see Muda, you know, like we are a community, a society yeah. where we hope that our young ones will yeah. take care Think. of the yeah. old ones, you know. Yeah. I think you should, you should, uh, I would like you to do that, no? Muda yeah. to do that. Rest assured, so actually, mm. I've spoken about this issue many times about elderly care. Why? And in every single one of my speech about jobs, I'll touch on the fact that today, the majority of those about to retire barely have 10,000 ringgit in their savings. Exactly. Mm. And yeah. back then, 20 mm. years ago, I mean, children, I mean, the young ones, as they enter the job market, will stay at their parents' house, rely on their parents before they get on their proper footing and move out. Today, the young ones are the ones who need to take care of their parents because their parents do not have enough retirement or savings. So, I mean, obviously there are a lot of solutions behind it as well, but you are absolutely right. I mean, uh, that is a very serious issue. You know, Terence, in in Singapore uh, recently, the Singapore government just introduced the top-up the yeah, savings yeah. Yep. of all CPF holders, yeah. you know, uh, to the tune of maybe 7,000 sing dollar per person we yeah. call it the young seniors mm. people of parents age 50 and above <laughs> when this is this is something we all have a certain interest <laughs> to ask you this question <laughs> you know and we have a we have a situation where epf like you said yeah you know we've got uh, a lot of uh, contributors with less than ten thousand ringgit mm. in india there's a orang kata apa, low hanging fruit lah. that's true definitely so when you become prime minister one of these days uh, this will be on top of your <laughs> On your, in your you're, in you're going to get me into trouble uh. and one thing which I realise <laughs> anyone who says it will get me into trouble yeah. Terence Rocky and uh, but there <laughs> has to be when you go into politics there must be an 
aim. I remember one politician came in and then she, we were asked to see, talk to her and see what mm. she can tell people about her. Say, what do you want to be? Oh, I want to help. No, you, what do you want to do? You want to be the prime minister? Or that's the aim. So when you go into politics, I'm sure obviously public service is part of it. Mm. But to be able to achieve a lot of things, you have to be in a position to be able to put things in motion. Mm. So being prime minister is perhaps the best way to get things going. Uh, it, it, to be honest, it depends. Why do I say this? I think as time passes by and more reforms are done and decentralization of power from the hands of the prime minister is a lot more about the team than the Prime Minister. So, let's say there is a system, there's a situation in which I could be part of a team with a good Prime Minister, I'll feel very happy to be part of that team. I don't necessarily have to become the Prime Minister. Uh, one good example is now. Lah. This is not the team that Anwar Ibrahim <laughs> went into the elections thinking they was going to work with his name. <sighs> uh, I is there yeah. else? Do you want to add or not? Do we, do we no, touch no, no. everything? Do you want to touch everything? Good. Everything's good. Okay. Yeah. This is a Pod of Boom Podcast. podcast. YB, YB ni orang muda remaja kan uh, Yang lalu orang tertanya-tanya kan Bilakah YB akan Makan nasi minyak makan, Kita ni dijemput makan nasi minyak <laughs> Itu sejujurnya soalan yang paling susah untuk saya jawab Saya boleh jawab semua soalan dalam sesi ni uh, Dan saya akan cuba jawab sejujur mungkin Ini salah satu soalan yang saya rasa kita klasifikasikan Bahawa akta rahsia rasmi kerajaan <laughs> <laughs> Ni nak kena tanya uh, ibu bapa ke ni <laughs> eh, Kalau tanya ibu bapa pun dia akan cakap benda sama juga <laughs> Eh my mum lagi lah My mum dia akhirnya akan ada apa uh, Kuasa untuk veto Oh ya ha. so, dia, Tapi ada calon ke? Uh, Dan berpunya kan? Kita tunggu-tunggukan lah Kita tunggu dulu Tengoklah macam mana When the time is right The time is right uh. Saya rasa kalian mungkin lebih tahu Dia uh, nak-nak dalam dunia politik ni Isteri teramat penting uh. ya, Kerana dia perlu ada isteri yang memahami Yang boleh bertahan yeah. ha? uh, Kalau tidak sukar Tapi masa dia pasaran ke? Uh, apa yeah. kita? Jangan. <laughs> Akta rahsia rasmi kerajaan Jangan tunggu lama-lama <laughs> Okay uh, Thank you YB thank For you, having a good conversation about politics About where you want the country yeah. to move forward to Terima kasih and all the best Thank you uh, all the best For you Thank you. As our third force yes. we'll be, we'll be, yeah. be the we'll be best singles player yeah. ever <laughs> Hopefully not not for long <laughs> Thank you Thank you sir This was a Potaboom podcast To listen to more Potaboom titles Search podcasts and shows Under Potaboom That's P-O-D-A-B-O-O-M On Spotify Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts And everywhere you get great podcasts